is Rock and Roll Grad School with your hosts, Heidi Hedquist and Luke Poling. Would you like us to assign someone to worry your mother? Hello, kitties. We are going to have a good time today because we are making tragedy happen. Indeed, we are in a very good way. Did you know that's their URL? Yes, I did. Let's make tragedy happen. Um, So clearly, Mean Girl fans. Mm -hmm. Um, We're talking with the lead singer from, uh, I guess we say heavy metal group, right? Yeah. Uh, Tragedy, best known for their uh, covering of the Bee Gees oeuvre. Yes. And other songs of that ilk. They have a new album that came out last week. Covering in an unusual way. As as they always would. Um, some of the great uh, women in rock. Mm-hmm. So, which is uh, really lovely. That's yeah. a fun, fun listen. Showing that some of the greatest songs ever are actually metal songs. If, but yeah, any song can be a metal song, and they metal song. And one of the songs they cover is "I'm So Excited" by the Pointer Sisters, which was written by previous guest Sharon Robinson. Mm-hmm. Say it with me, synergy. Look at that. So I finally got out to my first show in a few months on Friday. Yes. Oh my! This is what I needed. This is what I needed was just tambourine and uh, songs about whiskey. I mean, oh, it was great. That's fantastic. Um, Kurt Vile came out and they did a duet on uh, That's the Way the the World Goes Round, the John Prine song. Very nice. Uh, And then the opener was this guy, Trey Burt, who I had not heard of before, but he is one of the two artists that Brian signed to his label before passing. Wow. And the last song that he did, he said, I'm going to dedicate this to my boss and everybody went nuts. Um, but Margot Price was great. Jeremy was great. She sang a couple of his songs that just, he had written solo yeah. and the interaction between the two of them was just delightful to watch. Yes. Um, I mean, it was adorable the way he talked about her on our show just seeing the way they looked at each other and they've been on the road for six months. Um, That's a and, rarity. Well, even kind of, she did a little small acoustic set prior to the thing. Um, and she did a great cover of I'm on fire by Bruce Springsteen, mm-hmm. did a few of her songs and then asked him to come on and he played harmonica and duetted with her on a song that he had written. I guess it was based on a note he had written her at some point. And again, mm-hmm looking at the two of them looking at each other and that he turned and walked off and she said something like I'm surprised he did that or I'm surprised he even came down because we were bickering with each other upstairs <laughs> so but it was delightful it was it was loud and it was it was lovely all that it should be exactly have you seen the reviews for this lust for life show that our friend Kevin Armstrong oh. and our new Frank Glenn Matlock have been playing on like- unbelievable Oh, good. People love it. That's awesome. It's sold out every single show in the UK. And you got to go up to Scotland, I think. It's like Edinburgh has a few tickets left. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it's Glenn keeps posting on his Twitter page and Instagram, just little clips 
from different shows of them all doing now uh, I want to be your dog and mm, it awesome. just it looks like every single person in that room is having the best time yeah that's perfect so hopefully they'll bring some form of that to the U.S. Mm-hmm. that would be a lot of fun it would be a lot of fun tribute to the women in music with this new album uh well we've uh covered a lot of uh women artists in the past and we're trying to come up with a theme for the new album and thought this would be kind of something good to to focus on um and uh you know the inspiration uh you know, the, there's just kind of uh, regular musical inspiration, then there's deeper kind of, uh, I don't know, social, political, personal kind of uh, inspiration, too. Um, and uh, get to wrap it all up in uh, in one album. It's, it's a really enjoyable record. I um, played it for my children, as one does. And said to them, sort of, here's proof that everything is a metal song deep down inside, <laughs> that the emotions are that's are are right there. Is that something it you can be? I mean, that that's our mission is to find the the inner metal in everything and <laughs> everything we do. Well, how did this idea come to you? Uh well, the idea for for tragedy was originally a, a metal tribute to the Bee Gees and beyond. Of course. Um and so the, the first album was uh all the uh we covered all the Bee Gees disco hits. Um and uh that really that started as just you know what some may say incredibly stupid idea on paper. Uh and but we started doing it. We started working on it and bringing it to audiences, and we realized that it it connected with us uh, in a creative way, um, and then connected with audiences too. And you know what started really as a joke. I mean, just uh, we really thought it was just a silly thing that we do for a couple shows, maybe. Um, you know, it's been 15 years and 10 albums later. Um, and uh, like I said, the, the first album was the the those disco hits of the Bee Gees. And then the second album, we started to, to do some songs that they wrote for other artists. And then we started to tinker around with non-Bee Gees pen songs as well. Um, so now it's kind of like anything is fair game as long as it's not like a hard rock or metal song to, to start with. Um, with one exception, we did um, uh, a soft rock version of uh, Crazy Train. Just flip the script. It's perfect. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's your power ballad right there. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. I love it. Like, 
it's so brilliant. It's such a, like the whole concept is so brilliant. I, I, I argue it was not, it's clearly not a stupid idea. It's like the, the Bee Gees were speaking to you even from their font. It was meant to be meddled out. That I know. I mean, there's so many things that are metal about the, the Bee Gees and I mean, disco in general, but the Bee Gees even more so than other disco artists, but the, the big hair, the tight, shiny clothes, yes. the, 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 the semi nudity, yes. you know, um, <laughs> the sex appeal sometimes yeah. that you just can't pinpoint, but you just know they're sexy. <laughs> it's all there. I, I know. And then to, to think that like there was that tension between the people who love disco and the people who loved rock and metal. Right. And, uh, you know, they're just like, uh, you know, one DNA strand apart. Right. The line between love We're and the hate. missing link. You are. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's just such. A... How do you find the songs? Is there something in these particular tunes that just have that thing where you're like, we can really do something with this? Are you licking your chops with these tracks as you look ahead to the next records? Well, so we usually end up uh, working on about twice as many songs that will actually end up on the record. Mm -hmm. You know, we're always looking for a song that has some kind of cultural relevance, Um, you know, like kind of a a wow factor. Like, I can't believe tragedy is doing, you know, whatever it is. And like, it's raining. Man is a great kind of uh, example of that. So we look for that and we're usually looking because the the original concept of the band was, you know, kind of the 70s and 80s music. We usually look for stuff from from that era. Sometimes we we go outside that era. Um, But uh, yeah, to find something that's that already has some cultural relevance and interesting theme or something like that that's great when we find it um but then we have to do uh and a compelling take on it and sometimes it's just it's hard to do um one example we on this record we have uh, i will survive which we've wanted to do almost since the beginning of the band because it's just such an epic meaningful song um but it's always eluded us because it's like so many disco songs. It's very repetitive. You know, it's the same chord progression the whole way through. Um, so, but what we ended up doing this time is we found a way to deconstruct it and put it back together in a way that keeps it very interesting. And I would say um, really enhances the the storytelling of the song. That's the thing I love about this these records is that at first blush oh it's kind of funny you're playing la freak oh, this is you know this is entertaining but like never mind the skill that all of you have as musicians but like that record needs to hold up to multiple listens it can't just be one time through one joke and then you put it on the shelf and move away that's got to be a, a challenge for you guys to strike that balance too it's that's really important for us i mean there there's so much comedy music that you know, it's it's fun to listen to. You you have a laugh, but you would never like put it on like you know at a party or 
or just kind of, you wouldn't keep on listening to it. Right. Um, and yeah, it's important to us to, I mean, we want to be really entertaining and the, the live show, especially there's, you know, there's a lot of comedy in it. Um, but we want it to be like, not annoying to listen to <laughs> so much satirical music. It's so annoying. Uh, you know, after a listen or two, or if you have it on in the background or something, you're like, ah, that voice uh, enough already. Um, so yeah, we, we really, uh, try to make, uh, you know, really fun, engaging albums. When you're heading out on tour. Are we ever, man, it's been, uh, it's been three years since we went on a, a proper tour. You know, we used to go to Europe twice a year. Um, we're the last band standing, uh, March, 2020. Uh, but yeah, um, heading out, uh, in the U S uh, with steel Panther and Crowbot for six weeks all over the country. And, uh, then we go to UK, Spain, France, Portugal, uh, for a month. Um, so yeah, it's about to get crazy. Have you been playing out at all, like locally, just to get your feet wet, or just going like balls to the wall? Let's just do this. Yeah, we uh, um, I guess you know we started playing live again. I think it was July, uh, twenty twenty one, and been doing a lot of regional touring. You know, mm -hmm. weekend stuff. We, we went to Canada for for a week uh, last summer. Um, so we've been active, yeah. but it's not like you know, going on the road for weeks at a time. It's going to be awesome. We're very excited here in Detroit for your arrival to Fillmore. <laughs> awesome. Several people all set. We're ready to come and just rock out with you. So we can't wait. That's great. We have a good time. Oh, I have no doubt. I have no doubt. It's hard to do that though. Like it's hard to sustain that level of energy. Just like you said, with keeping the, like the, not having the like not having the kitsch take over the talent and all of those things and keeping that balance but to keep it going on tour across the world is a it's a big deal too it is um but i find like once we get rolling it, it becomes second nature and even though it can be um uh, kind of exhausting on the road uh when it's showtime it's showtime and it's it's always fun like that are there any things you're most looking forward to that won't ruin it for audiences? Any big surprises you're ready to roll out? Um, I don't know about big surprises. Jeez, uh, I haven't. I mean, I don't even think of our our show like that necessarily. Ah. Though sometimes I do. I, you know, here's the thing: like when we were uh, touring, like. We have a, a very good audience established in the UK and oh, yeah. we would do like an annual national tour there um, and then go back in the summer and kind of do festivals and stuff like that. But we would kind of make a plan for like, oh, we got to make a you know real strong theme and have a different thing that's going to going to, you know, shock people. Um, but now it's been so long, like I haven't even thought of that. But I remember one time uh, we did um, as an encore, we started playing uh, Stairway to Heaven <laughs> and um, say to our audience, 
in the UK. Oh yeah, this is a song I recognize. It. It's a Beatles song, right? I love the Beatles. <laughs> um, and uh, and then start singing Oasis over that chord progression. Nice and really make them angry. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> We got I mean, so many like fuck yous. and then <laughs> and then perfect. by the end they're all singing along with it. You know, it's like make up your mind. No, it's all right. We're 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 with you. <laughs> what it's not metal if the it. audience isn't antagonizing you either. So that's perfect. Yeah. Well, I was wondering about that. What the response is? If I mean, I guess playing with folks like Steel Panther and stuff, like people know what they're getting when they come out and see tragedy. What do Bee Gees fans make? make of this do they well, get the joke it, you know if if you watch a whole show you you, you get it um mm-hmm. i think uh you know maybe when we first started we had some like more people coming in as bg's fans but you know as, as the band uh continued we just kind of became an entity unto ourselves um but we do get those people occasionally who uh, didn't really do any research, didn't like they bought a ticket and never went to our website or anything and and get uh, are a little, you know, surprised uh, sure. and sometimes surprised that we're not doing all Bee Gees songs. That can be one thing. Mm. Um, but, you know, people get the the idea and people may even people who may reject it at first they they come around there's there's something to you know that's just going to break down the the barriers in in your soul and and make you have a good time have any of the original artists heard your takes on them because i know you have a great quote from bruce dickinson (laughs) saying how much he loves you guys but what are the you know the the brothers give it's at all make of brother get at all make of your uh interpretations well they haven't contact ca- contacted us directly themselves but their children have and it started actually close to the beginning of the band um i think when our first record came out they they heard about us and and they just love it um and throughout the years still in touch with some of them uh Barry's son Steve is a metalhead and a metal guitarist, great guitar player. Um and uh and they uh, you know Samantha they they're they're uh they're a musical family. Um so that's really cool to have that connection, you know, that that they take it in the right in the right spirit um and really appreciate it. Um also village people have uh we do YMCA and as, as you and, do of and, course yeah <laughs> and they they know us as well and support us too so would you describe it as you started a joke ah, <laughs> you could definitely say that perfect got it in you were you were just waiting trying to figure what's. out i yeah. know i know <laughs> when you were a kid is what did you dream you were going to be rocking out to well, very first thing, I I loved the way Kiss looked. 
Of course. I, sure. I think when I was maybe four or five years old, I made an electric guitar out of cardboard. And I, I thought of myself as all the members of Kiss all at once, I think. Of course. Yes. Um, <laughs> and then um, and then when I was nine years old, I got really into music of the 50s. And I started collecting 45s. I go to garage sales like obsessively. Um, and I, I had books, you know, studying the charts of the, you know, of the top music, the 50s and all that. Um, and then when I started playing guitar, I got really into punk rock and that whole scene. And um, I really like kind of the artsy side of punk rock. Mm-hmm. And then I was constantly rebelling against whatever, whatever I was into before and whatever <laughs> my friends were into. So I got really into classic rock when punk rock was really rebelling against classic rock. Um, and even metal was like, especially like hair metal, um, when that was really popular, like, you know, punk rockers were really rejecting it. And I was secretly buying some uh, Motley Crue albums and stuff <laughs> like that, though there was also cool metal happening that, you know, that was acceptable in my peer right. group, like, you know, Iron Maiden, um, uh, even, yeah, Judas Priest, and then the kind of the hardcore metal stuff like Metallica and stuff like mm-hmm. that, that was all very cool and acceptable. Um, but like so many people who love music, um, even if, you know, we really identify uh, with a certain group of uh, you know, you consider yourself a metalhead or punk rocker or something like that. We all love all kinds of music from all over the place. Mm-hmm. And this band really brings people out and they'd say it out loud. Like, you know, like these metalheads, like I always loved the Bee Gees. Never told anybody that. Right. I the Bee Gees. <laughs> well, I just saw like, uh, I was a clip of Dave Grohl talking about the fact that every rhythm part on Nevermind he nicked from was a gap band, I think. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, That's and right. then it's so amazing. And he's right on. It's completely like it's it's very interesting to see kind of how those walls break down and that kind of uh like you said, it's just a giant melting pot of what's all music. It's all it's all something good happening there. And you know, when you're learning how to play music. You're all that stuff is just, you know, all the stuff you remember from your earliest existence, you know, it's just there in your brain. And then, and then, then you put it together yourself and it's, you're automatically going to be influenced by things from all over the place. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Is there anything, I, again, not to give away the, secrets to the store but is there any song you're really looking forward to getting out there and belting every night that's new to the set list that's from the record or um well uh i'd love to play them all (laughs) (laughs) um but we're at the point uh where we have to do like we have to have five or six songs and the set, they're just, you know, just staples of our show. We have to have Staying Alive, have to have It's Raining Men, stuff like that. Um, uh, a lot of the stuff we, we haven't we haven't tried live yet, um, pretty much. I mean, almost all of the album we haven't tried live yet. Um, but uh, I'm so excited in the rehearsal studio 
has been super fun. It's um, such a good tune. It, it's so like we do it, it. It's it's so thrashy. Yes. But then yeah. we have like huge four part harmonies on the on the choruses, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, that's just always it's really fun when we all all uh, you know get on the mic and do a, a big harmony part. That's uh, one of our, our favorite things. That's awesome. Yeah, I was just rocking out to that before we jumped on, like doing my little last minutes. And it's so good. It's so, so good. That's Thank you. Awesome. Is there anything in the back of your mind as far as like what you're hoping to do next? Or just not we've, quite there We've yet? talked about like uh, our next album concept. Mm-hmm. Um We've had it so on this album we do memory from cats oh, and it's it's absolutely epic Amazing. um and uh we we thought so we did a, a an album before called tragedy goes to the movies so you know songs that uh were famously in movies and uh so we had the idea of uh tragedy goes to broadway or tragedy oh goes to the theater. <gasps> um, and as, as much as we've done, there are some other s- songs too. I think we've done that were, you know, on Broadway. Yeah. Like a uh, Aquarius. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always thought that could be kind of a cool concept, oh. but I got to say, no one's like, none of our fans are like, Oh man, you got to do a Broadway. <laughs> oh album. no. I am so on board with this. This is like, I'm already hearing Phantom of the Opera, just yeah. like, off. We we would love Unreal. to. I mean, I, I would do the whole Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh, well, oh clearly. I yeah. mean, um, yes. Though that that could go against our, our vow of not doing songs that are hard rock to begin with. Well, that's true. Yeah. So maybe you have to only do the soft ones. I was gonna say because right. I, I don't know how to love I don't him. know how to love right. him as yeah. like a like a home sweet home kind of power ballad. <laughs> yes. But, there you go. What if you think of what you could dig out from like um, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat? You could just oh, go wow. crazy. Yeah, just go yeah. way back. You could just <laughs> do a Lloyd, do. just yeah. do a Lloyd Webber. <laughs> That's yeah, really yeah. narrow. No, I think Broadway would be pretty awesome, especially those like sweeping operatic, but not the rock opera operatic, just the more. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Tragedy's new album, I Am Woman, is available right now wherever you get your records. For more information and for tour dates, check out their website, letsmaketragedyhappen.com. Rock and Roll Grad School is produced by the Professional Production Company. Please be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts because your impassioned review is just as honest as us standing backstage waiting to come back on for the encore. For more information, you can check out our website, rockandrollgradschool.com. And like everyone else, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Today's show was recorded and produced by Heidi Hagquist and myself. 
from our world headquarters located on the second floor of the professional office building, centrally located downtown. Our reluctant executive producers are John Sauvé and Sandy Stone. Our willing executive producers are Rachel Allen and Randy Jeanette. Our intern is Zach Jackson. This one's for Philippe. Thanks for joining us. Good night, drive safe, and may all your favorite bands stay together. Oh, yeah.